This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 133, for Monday, November the 11th, 2013. Hey, Jason, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Going pretty Although good. Although it is Monday. Yeah. Which, you know, has good things and, and bad things about it. I am all messed up for the days of the week because I had to go to work yesterday, put in a good eight, nine hours yesterday. Right. And so getting up this morning to go to work, it felt like Tuesday. But then you get there and you realize it's Monday and you're just kind of bummed out because you're you're a whole day ahead. So, you know, so you, get fr- you don't get Friday off or anything like that. No, no, I don't get Friday off. And uh, now I'm a, a day ahead. And so, you know, it's fun to be here recording this, but it also feels like Tuesday night to me. So it's kind of lucky that I even said Monday during the opening. here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel lucky. Yeah, well, it is. My brain easily gets confused when it comes to days of the week. And if I take some time off, especially a long period of time off, I end up not knowing what the hell day it is. I I suffer from the same uh, the same problem, I think. And it, but it's the other way around. If I have a Monday off, I get screwed up so badly that uh, the last two times I had the Monday off, I missed garbage day on Thursday. <laughs> Both times. Both times. So you just, you well, that's just the other thing. You're getting a day behind. You feel like yeah. Tuesday is your Monday. I, I just I get really screwed up, and then I'm pulling out of the driveway. I'm like, oh, it's garbage day. It's too late for me to do anything about it because well, we've got to go catch a train. Oh, you got to catch the train. I was going to yeah. say that if the garbage truck hasn't come yet, it's not actually too late. It is. Be, yeah, it was just because of the timing, and we got to catch the train and get to work and stuff, and so uh, it was too late both times. Right. Okay. Well, it, I guess it happens to everybody like that. So my week is all messed up. I had a busy day today, another busy one coming up tomorrow. And then on Saturday, I go to Saskatchewan for a week. So it's uh, good times around here. Well, you you know, Saskatchewan's not bad. I don't know. I've never been there before. Oh, it'll be fun. Uh, In Regina. I'm going to have a week in Regina. That That sounds wonderful. It's the longest time I've spent in Regina in my whole life. I'm not sure I've ever ever actually been to Regina. I've driven through Saskatchewan a couple of times on my way to and from Alberta. I've flown over it a bunch of times on my way to and from Calgary, but uh, I don't believe I've ever been in Regina itself. Nope, never. I have never been in Saskatchewan at all, so it should be fun. Well, a- anywho, that'll be a hoot. It will be a hoot, I think. Uh, speaking of a hoot, today is Origami Day. Origami Day. Origami Day. Yep. And uh, that, of course, is the, well, the uh, celebration of folding paper <laughs> yep. into shapes. Uh, the, the folded paper crane is an international symbol of peace, apparently. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and as the internet says, there's a lot more to origami than simple birds. Origami Day is all about promoting the art of paper folding and showcasing incredible creations. I, I once tried my hand at origami, and I am really, really horrible at it. Well, you just need to practice a little bit. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> nope, not for you. <laughs> no, not for you. Not for me. All right. I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, observing the uh, the odd piece of origami and watching people that, who are good at it uh, do origami. But uh, no, I just, I don't know what it is. I like angles. I like pieces of paper. Uh, and folding. I'm, and folding. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the folding. It just, uh, I, I, I just not my thing i guess all right well if you ever wanted to get started today would be the day to do it 
So I, uh, I have a book, but no paper. <laughs> well, the origami, the uh, I think it's all start. A lot of it starts with a square piece of paper. Yes. So I don't have any square paper. Right. That's tricky to, tricky to come by, actually. You'd have to yeah. cut it and everything. Well, you can also just buy buy it because lots of places sell it for or, origami. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, and if you were going to cut it, you'd have to go out and get a, a proper paper cutter and you need I all sorts one. of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I have that. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, today is also, of course, Remembrance Day. It's the 11th yeah. of November. And in the U.S., it's Veterans Day, too. Um, which is a little bit different, as I understand. You know, Remembrance Day in Canada and other uh, former British colonies, I guess, is to, you know, an opportunity to remember those who died serving our country or, or other countries where it's celebrated. And Veterans Day in the States is just a day to sort of give thanks, I think, for anyone who has served in who has served for, for their country, for the United right. States. Right, right. But uh, we, we, you know, we couldn't pass over the November the 11th of November without mentioning Remembrance Day so uh, it is the day to think about family members or other loved ones who you may have lost in a war or something like that so uh, you know take a moment to do that there is a uh, a big cemetery in uh, in Sault Ste. Marie up on fourth line uh, where I'm from and uh, my great uncle uh, died in World War II and he was the first person to be buried in that cemetery Wow, the first guy. Yeah. Jeez. How many people are in it now? Probably thousands. Oh, thou- oh many thousands. It's huge. Wow. Absolutely huge. Have you been to see his uh, grave? Oh, yeah, many times. Huh. The first person. That's incredible. First person. Or one of the first. I'm not <clears throat> sure if it's the actual first, 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 but sure. One of the first. He's like right in the corner there by the uh, by the building and he's like right there. <laughs> he's right there. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, my grandfather served or, or was in World War II as well. Now, he survived the war, and he lived to be 89 years old, which uh, apparently my mom told me this year he would have turned 100. So wow. he died uh, 11 years ago already, which is crazy because time is flying at the speed of light. Yeah. One second per second. <laughs> and it just Fast. doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, does not stop. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, take a moment to think about Remembrance Day or Veterans Day if you're in the States, um, or if there are similar observances in other parts of the country that I don't know about. I'm sure you do if you live there. So now is the time to uh, think, think about those sorts of things. Okay, Jason, we are here to talk about Season 4, Episode 5, Internment. So are you ready to get started? I am super ready. With our, with our obscenely in-depth recap that we're known for? I, I'm super ready. Okay, good. So this is called internment, and we're going to start with the cold open, as always. We get a silent shot of leaves blowing on the road, which was an w- interesting opening shot, I thought. I kind of liked it, though. Yeah, it was nice. And now we've basically picked up right where we left off at the end of episode four. Rick is driving back after he's left Carol to her own devices, and uh, he's. I noticed he's not checking his rearview mirror anymore, which he was at the end of the previous episode. Right. So maybe he's decided that okay, she's not there, and I'm I don't need to worry about it anymore. Well, maybe he's just also. I, I was thinking that he was looking at himself in the rearview mirror, so maybe he's, uh, he he knows what he looks like already. So <laughs> he's, he's good. He's good to go. Admiring his uh, dark sheriff's eyes. Yeah, just like the fawns. <laughs> just like the fawns. He drives past some dogs eating a walker on the ground. Uh, more like a just a 
uh, mover. Well, he, wasn't really, he wasn't. I don't think that guy was ambulatory. No, no, I don't think so. I'm not sure he had any really lower body left at all. But uh, the dogs didn't look too healthy either. I'll tell you. No. Is this the first time we've seen animals eating a zombie? It is. Are you sure? I have a feeling we saw dogs or something eating eating zombies in, uh, or e- at least eating body parts in Atlanta way back in season one or two. <sighs> I'd have to go back for an absolute answer, but I uh, this is the first to my memory that uh, right. we've seen animals actually eating uh, a zombie. Right. right, like they made they you know animals have eaten flesh. I think uh, you know what you what you say kind of tickles a memory, and that might have been something else. But uh, I think this uh, I'm I was actually surprised that uh, animals would eat uh, you know zombie flesh. Yeah, especially when the zombie is still you know quote unquote alive like still moving, yeah. Uh, as this guy was. And he was just lying there, barely anything left, and he kind of reached out for the car as it zoomed right by. Now, there was a good three or four, maybe five seconds of that shot before the car drove by, and I was thinking, this car is totally going to drive by and just squish right over his head. They're gonna, think so? They're gonna, that what you thought? That's what I thought. They're totally going to do this to us, and then the car flies by, you know, and, and that doesn't happen. But I don't know why Rick didn't just swerve a little bit to take that guy out. Because you're you're adding an unknown. He's going at a high rate of speed, and you're adding a uh, hitting something that could uh, possibly throw your car out of control. And you don't want to do that. That's true, I suppose. But I mean, if you're going to do something, pull over, you know, stab the guy in the head, stab the zombie in the head, put it out of its misery, get back in the car, drive away, <laughs> and probably get eaten or attacked by dogs while you're there. Uh, yeah, depending on how uh, you know how feral the dogs are and how hungry they are. Yeah. That's true. They might be pretty hungry at this point. So yeah. Uh, so as he drives on, we get some close-up shots of the watch that Carol gave him. And I just took this to indicate that sort of time is of the essence here. He needs to get back quickly to deliver food and medicine and such. Is that what, I thought I got the impression that it was still a thinking back of Carol and what he had done. Oh, yeah. It probably could have been that, too. I mean, he's... I mean, that watch might have been Carol's final big F.U. to Rick, saying, every time you look at this, you're going to remember me and what you did. That, that's a great idea. She should have said that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she needed to, really. She's just, take my watch, time will march on, and you'll always remember what you did to me, you bastard. Jerk. But, okay, so I'm going to go with both interpretations. Time is of okay. the essence. He needs to get back, but he's also remembering Carol and maybe feeling a little bit guilty for his decision. Sure. We cut over to Herschel, Glenn, and Sasha, and they're trying to insert a breathing tube into a, one of the very sick people. Intubate. An, an intubation tube. Is that yeah, the... they're trying to, trying to intubate them. I don't know if it's an intubation tube, but uh, what the act of what they're doing is intubating. Intubating. Poor bastard. Yeah, that's true. And he doesn't want to really have much of it because no one really wants a tube shoved down their throat. Um, yeah. But I guess if you're choking on your own blood, there's probably worse things that could happen. Um, Glenn and Sasha clearly are not looking healthy, though. And Herschel starts joking about having Spaghetti Tuesdays, but they don't really seem to find it that funny. <laughs> on, on Wednesday. Yeah, I know. He's like, they've, he's making a decree where they're going to have Spaghetti Tuesdays on Wednesday. Right. So not only is he joking about, or trying to be lighthearted about suggesting Spaghetti Tuesdays, he's taking the joke one step further and saying, and we'll do it on the wrong day. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny, but Glenn and uh, and uh, Sasha don't really seem to find it all that hilarious, I don't think. No, they're sick. Yeah, they're sick. Very sick kind of erodes your sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. 
so Herschel and Glenn go to see some other patients. They find a dead guy. Apparently his name was Mr. Jacobson. And uh, Herschel doesn't want to knife him in the head, so they load him on a gurney and wheel him out into the hall. As they're going, Lizzie comes up, questions what they're doing, and Herschel tells her to go read a book. <laughs> Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer, yeah. It's go your, read Tom Sawyer. It, and it was this whole everyone has a job theme again. He, he says everyone has a job, that one's yours. And really he just wants to keep her occupied. Well, yeah. Which that's what you need to do with children, you know, 99% of the time, keep them occupied. Yeah, make them read a book. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Out in the hall, though, uh, Herschel's reading from his Bible as he stands there, and Glenn stabs Mr. Jacobson in the head at, just as he's coming back. And uh, Herschel says he doesn't want to, he doesn't want the other sick people to see them doing that, because I guess it's sort of like, you know, acknowledging the fact that they're probably all going to die, and uh, he wants them to keep hope alive. Yeah. So we go to the credits, and we come back, and there is no commercial break here which is unusual for The Walking Dead. I didn't notice. Well, that's because you don't watch it live. But, that's uh, correct. There is no commercial after the opening credits this time, which was very strange. And as we go on here, though, it's clear that they wanted to backload the episode with commercials. At least that's the feeling I got. Really? Yeah. Now, this episode was... It, it felt like two halves to me. Uh, where the first half was a little slower, but building up to something. And then in the second half, you had sort of the payoff to it all. And there was much more action and much much more going on. And it, for me, it almost would have seemed to make more sense to throw in the ads in the beginning so that you could let the second half play out without as many breaks. However, I can see that putting too many ads in the beginning, they might lose people because it might feel a lot slower than it really was, you know? Yeah, that you're not thinking like a network. No, not at all. I'm thinking like somebody who wants to, you know, benefit, something that wants to benefit the fans, the watchers. Yeah, no, you, you backload it. You uh, do the first 20 minutes without a commercial. You get everybody hooked, and it's like, oh, my God, that was awesome. No commercials at all. It's like I'm watching a movie. This is fantastic. And then next thing you know, it's like Letterman, the last half hour of Letterman, for crying out loud. There's a commercial, and Letterman comes back and goes, and we're going to go to another commercial. And then that goes to another commercial. And every 14 seconds, you have uh, five minutes of commercials. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they know what they're doing. And I guess it works because they keep doing it. Yeah. Anyways, no commercial here. When we do come back from the credits, Maggie and Herschel are talking through the glass. She's worried about Glenn, and Herschel just says he's resting. But, of course, Maggie wants to come in and help, and uh, Herschel will have none of it. He says, no way. You, someone has to stay out there and keep things going along. And uh, he says he's tired, but he's holding it together. And when he comes back out into the actual prison ward, Glenn is right there. And he thanks him because he didn't want Maggie to see him so sick, figuring that she'd want to come in for sure and uh, help out, which yeah. nobody wants her to do. No. We go outside. Maggie is stabbing walkers at the fence. There is a shitload of them now. Not if a boatload? I'm, no. There's definitely a crapload of zombies there. Yeah. So the whole thing of luring them away from the pigs a few with the pigs a few episodes ago seems to have had very little lasting result. Well, it wasn't meant to have a lasting result. It was meant to get the pressure off the fence so they could shore it up uh, at that time. It was just it was a short-term thing. We just need to alleviate the pressure a little bit so we can shore this thing up. Mm -hmm. And then uh, so that, that, that worked. So it, it achieved its entire goal, in my opinion. I guess, although the reinforcement of the fence while the zombies were off, it doesn't seem to have lasted all that long. Like well, 24 no. hours. <laughs> 
Well, there's a lot of pressure there. I mean, a lot of those zombies can apply a lot of pressure to uh, to that. Uh, what probably is a very crappy fence. Uh, yeah, but you'd think a prison fence would be better than it would than a crappy front fence. So, I, I would think so. That, uh, but that fence that they're working on is a crappy fence. All right. Well, I guess so. And you know, the constant pressure of all those dead bodies pushing up against it probably take down any fence over time. Oh yeah. Right. A crowd of people could take that, uh, like conscious, actual people. If you have 30, 40 people, you could take that fence down in 20 minutes. Oh, come Easy. on. I don't know. You could climb over it in 20 minutes. I don't think have... you'd push it down though. Oh yeah. Sympathetic Even... vibrations. You could get that sucker going for sure. You just, you push and you let it go and you use its natural frequency to apply more and more pressure. You could uproot that thing. No problem. No problem. So that one particularly or any any fence you think? Like even a good quality high-end thick prison fence? Any fence. Wow. Any fence. You could probably do it with a brick wall. You could, you know, <laughs> unless it was uh, completely short up, like a wall that has corners is going to mm-hmm. be a lot more difficult. But if it's a long wall, you could probably get, uh, get going in there, especially if you have an, enough people like they do there. You could flip over a car. You, could, uh, you can do all kinds of damage with a, a crowd of that size. So a crowd of people is a destruction machine is what you're saying. Yeah. And a prison fence is not to not meant to uh necessarily it's not meant to keep a crowd of people out. It's supposed to keep one person in from trying to escape, right? True. Cuz I so, guess prisoners aren't going to well, well, it may be a riot. It yeah. could be a riot, but if a riot gets to the outer fence, you're pretty much screwed anyway. You've lost the war already. Well, that and uh, anybody in the tower at that point probably will open fire on the crowd of people. Jeez. So the fence is just to slow them down so that uh, the people, guys in the tower can get a good bead on them. All right. Well, in any case, there are a, are a lot of zombies there, and Maggie is trying to reinforce it, but it doesn't seem to be going all that well. And at that point, Rick returns. He drives back up. And once he gets inside, Maggie asks about Carol, of course. It's her first question, and Rick tells her what happened. And Maggie decides that if Carol said she did it, then Rick did the right thing. Even right. though, to me, Maggie looked a little conflicted there. Yeah, well, she believes in Rick, right? Right. So it's not necessarily that she believes in the decision, but she believes in Rick as a leader and believes that Rick would make the right decision. And therefore, because Rick made that decision, it is the right decision. Yeah, and it sounds like her logic is just going, you know, did Carol actually admit to this or did you assume it and send her away? And if Carol admitted to it saying, I did it, then, you know, that's not the kind of person you want to have around. Yeah. And that justifies it. But Rick, uh, you know, Maggie questions whether she could have done the same thing. And Rick says, you could have done it. You've done harder things. Don't doubt yourself. And he said, we can't doubt ourselves anymore. Right. Which I think is an interesting point. Tis. Uh, so Rick goes to see Carl, who's in the healthy quarantine. And he gets, a, he gets an update on what's going on in there. Rick gives him some food that he brought. And he tells everyone to brush their teeth after. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? What? In Richard Matheson's I Am Legend, which is a book I think we've both read. Nope. Oh, really? Saw, saw the movie. Oh, okay. It wasn't in the movie, if I if I can remember correctly. But in the book, he talks about in the world that he's living in where, you know, there are uh, monsters outside and he's the only remaining living person. He, uh, he, he talks about how dental care is so important now because there are no more 
dentists. And, you know, a sore tooth or an infected gum or something can really, really mess you up. And if you're trying to live and protect yourself, you just can't do anything if you've got a toothache because it's one of the most painful things there is. Look at Castaway. Exactly. He had a he had a tooth problem at the beginning of that. Um, Luckily, he had a pair of skates. This is what I'm talking about. You don't want to have to knock your own tooth out with a pair of figure skates. Actually, what would have happened there is he would have knocked his, like, broken the tooth in half. And made and it worse. That, oh, my God. Way, way worse. Exactly. Can you imagine having a broken tooth and not ha- not being able to do anything about it? Uh, no yeah. wonder he tried to kill himself. Like God. most pain, you know, maybe next to giving birth, which I don't know anything about at least from the actually doing it perspective. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think that's one of the, probably the most painful things there is broken tooth. Yeah. It's bad. But maybe a broken, well, some, I'm pretty sure breaking some bones hurts quite a bit, but in any case, um, uh, so tooth, uh, tooth care, dental care in the apocalypse, just keep this in mind to everybody. Very important. Yeah. Find dental floss, find a toothbrush, use it every day. Uh, what happens next? Um, Carl wants to come out and help Rick, but he says no. And, uh, Carl says, you can't keep me from all the bad things, you know. And Rick says, I know, but I got to try. Yep. Which I liked as well. It's, it's, it just shows, uh, Rick thinking about these things, you know, and I like to see that in the character, just having these little things dropped into the episode that shows Rick is thinking about what's happening. He's thinking about the surroundings. He's like, I got to there are certain ways I have to behave and certain things I have to do, and I'm going to try my best to do them whether they work out or not. Right. And, you know, and that's like banishing Carol. That was the right thing to do. Um, and pr- protecting and sheltering his son at least a little bit from the horrors of this world, that's the right thing to do. And I just think it makes Rick a more fleshed-out character, and I really like it. Yeah. So we go back into sick quarantine, and Glenn is pumping air for the guy. Uh, for the sick guy who they got the tube in. Herschel goes to see Dr. S, and he's not doing so well, Dr. K- S. His name Caleb. is Caleb. Yeah. Caleb. Not doing so well. Uh, he won't let Herschel examine him because he, I guess he thinks he's too far gone already. Yep. And Dr. S has a really good line here. He says, if you're not ready to lose one, you're going to lose them all. Yep. And so I guess he's just saying, you know, you got to let me go and focus on the people that you can actually survive, actually help. Right. And uh, he shows Herschel a shotgun and a collection of shells that he brought in hid under his bed. So a little bit of foreshadowing there. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, what, what do you call that? Foreshadowing. No, not foreshadowing. But if you show a gun in the first act, you have to use it by the third act. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, What's that called? Oh. Schwarzenegger something? No, not Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something like that. Uh, look it up. I don't know what it is. Um, but yes, you show the gun, you got to use it. In this case, it gets used. Um, but, uh, and, and Dr. S also insists to Herschel to shut all the cell doors. Make sure the doors are closed. People are going to start dying, and you don't want zombies just being able to wander out into the hall like that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be bad. And then, just before Herschel leaves, he shines a light on Dr. S, and boy, does he ever look like he's in bad shape. Before, he was, it was kind of dark in there. And he is actually in really... He looks like a zombie already, to be honest with you. And, yeah, he uh, looks horrible. Like, and, uh, I don't think he looks like a zombie. I think he looks like the, uh, uh, you know, bleeding from the eyes and the mouth. That's what the, what happened before the zombies died, the first one that Rick saw. Right. 
was obviously had this kind of uh, you know manifestation of illness. Yep. Well, he has he has blood actually coming out of his eyes, and yeah. I just thought his skin looked all discolored, and he looked so nasty. Like I got the feeling he was awfully close to dying. No icky. Yeah. Great makeup though, boy. Oh god. Oh, great, great makeup job. Totally. So this is where we go to our first commercial now. And we, when we come back, Herschel is now closing cell doors. He's walking around closing doors. <laughs> I guess he figures that's a good idea now that he was told. And uh, a guy comes convulsing out of his cell and collapses on the ground. Herschel starts helping him and everyone else sort of comes out of their cell to watch and see what's going on. But the guy dies and Herschel still doesn't want to stab him in the brain in front of everybody. He was still trying to shelter all the sick people from seeing him have to do that. Uh, but Sasha comes out, who I guess is still well enough to at least stumble over there and bring the gurney. And uh, I thought she was looking worse in this scene too, though. Yeah, she's looking pretty bad. Not, not in such great shape. They load him onto the gurney. Herschel takes him down a dark hallway. And I'm like, really? You're going down the darkest hallway with a dead guy who could open his eyes and grab you at any moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, just what about that other room where you were with Glenn? It seemed to be a lot better lit in there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then this time, though, Herschel is able to stab him in the head only after covering his face with a sheet. Right. So he's making progress in the head stabbing department, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, you're making... Uh doing like it's very difficult thing to do to stab somebody in the head i would think and uh it would make it a little bit easier if you can dehumanize uh, that person because he knew that person right it was someone he knew yeah for months but at this point he knows he knows everybody in there and i get that it's difficult but you also have to remember that they've had zombies wandering around for a long time now herschel has shot and killed numerous zombies but i guess right. a knife stab to the forehead is a little bit more personal you're right Right. Chekhov's gun, it's called. Chekhov's gun, that's what right. it is. I, I yes. knew it was something like uh, Schwarzenegger or Chekhov or <laughs> uh, some kind of character. Yeah, Chekhov's gun. If you show if you show a, a loaded handgun, then you got to use the loaded handgun by the end of the story. Exactly. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, after Herschel does the head stab, Rick appears at the window behind him. And there was a really, really great shot in this scene, I thought, of from Rick's side of the glass, looking back at Herschel. And all you can see is Herschel in this dark room with the bright white sheet behind him. So yeah. I don't know, it just something about it really, really worked for me, seeing Herschel, that contrast, the blackness, the whiteness of the sheet, and Herschel standing there with his white beard. You know, I really thought it was really nicely done. And uh, they talk a little bit, and Herschel delivers a Steinbeck quote here, which I thought was good. He said, a sad soul can kill quicker than any germ. Right. Which so, is why he wants to, uh, you know, dispatch of the dead to make sure that they're dead dead, uh, not in front of the other sick people. Right, because if they get sad <laughs> or depressed, they're all going to die even faster. Yeah, you, if you, you know, if you lose hope, then you're pretty much going to die. Pretty much. Uh, but Rick tries to make them feel better and say, look, what they see is you helping them. They see you there doing everything you can to try and help them stay alive. And yeah. that's what gives them hope. So keep doing that and everything will be fine. <laughs> right. Um, 
they talk about uh, they also talk about how things aren't going to be the same once they get past this flu. And Herschel says that Rick got lucky with his time being a farmer, but um, uh, that's over now. Once they get through the flu, Rick is going to be back to being a leader, and he can't just be a farmer anymore. Some, basically similar to what Carol said. You can be a farmer, but you can't just be a farmer. Yeah. There's other things to do here. And uh, they they talk, and Herschel says he still thinks that there's a plan to life, too. Um, I guess, you know, he still reads his Bible. He still thinks there's something some greater cause or greater purpose in the life, even though it's, you know, very different than it was two years earlier. And then Rick finishes with, I need to talk to you about Carol. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, there's that. So we don't see that conversation this time, but of course we know exactly what he said. Instead, we cut over to Herschel closing more cell doors and looking pretty upset, I thought, but uh, I guess we don't really know what his reaction was other than uh, being upset by it. Uh, but he doesn't have long to worry because he finds Sasha passed out on the floor. Right. Is she dead? Is she alive? Who knows? He starts treating her, and just as he's doing that, a woman in another cell whose door is open wakes up as a zombie. Which is bad. It's not good. In case you're wondering. Yep. We have a commercial, and when we come back... We've got Rick and Maggie out reinforcing the fence with logs, so they're still trying to do that. They're chatting about whether Maggie should be helping her dad, but uh, that conversation ends quickly because Rick's leg gets grabbed by a zombie, and uh, she just jumps into action and hacks the arm off right away. I thought it was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. Um, We see Herschel. He has now revived Sasha. Turns out she was just dehydrated, (laughs) you know. Nothing, oh, yeah. nothing too bad. She just was overdoing it a little in her current state, and she was dehydrated. Uh, she says that Herschel must have been crazy to come in there and help people, but that if it wasn't for him, she wouldn't be alive. Right. <clears throat> so but the people in there are recognizing the fact that he's risking his life to be there and hopefully extending theirs a little bit. We see Glenn, he's pumping air for the guy still, but he suddenly realizes that he's no longer breathing. So he starts doing chest compressions on him and he tries to call out to Herschel, but he starts coughing so hard he can't and he collapses to the floor, spitting out blood. Ick. So, boy, is Glenn not in very good shape. He's very, very ill. Yeah. Um, Did you at any point in this episode think that maybe Glenn wasn't going to survive? Yeah, and still do. Oh, really? I, I still have my doubts. <laughs> well, I think based on the end of this episode, we can assume he's doing okay. But I was thinking here, because he looked like he was in pretty rough shape. And as we go on, we get some more scenes with him, of course. And I was like, oh, my God, they might kill Glenn. I can't yeah, it, believe it, it. I thought maybe they might kill Glenn. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll look at the later stuff later. But uh, yes, I agree with you that uh, uh, Glenn was in jeopardy in this episode. Everybody was in jeopardy in this episode. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Well, you know, Rick is going to survive for sure. And uh, Daryl and Michonne hadn't shown up yet. So I was pretty sure that they were safe. Mm -hmm. But uh, a lot of people were in a lot of peril in this episode. And I wasn't sure about any of them for a while. Yeah. I I thought maybe they were going to surprise us with something huge. Right. But uh, we'll we'll talk about it as the episode goes on. Uh, Herschel's checking on people, and then he walks into a, into one of the cells to check on someone, and there's like mystery guy there who's not sick, 
he's just hanging around and uh he's he's i guess helping his brother friend whoever was in the in the cell with him but like yeah. i don't know i felt like that guy came out of nowhere like who was he what was he doing there how come he's we never guy how come we have glenn and sasha like who are deathly ill helping herschel treat people but this healthy dude is just standing there hanging around doing nothing and this is the first we've seen of him Maybe he's got the sniffles, but, uh, you know, maybe sometimes, like uh, Dr. S said, uh, once you get to, a, you know, beyond a certain point, you're, you're, you can't be saved. But uh, some people don't ever get to that point. And uh, maybe this guy was sick for a while, but just never got that sick. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if he's there and he's not that sick, why isn't he the one trying to help people? Well, how come Glenn... Well, he is. He's trying to help his buddy or friend or partner or whatever this guy is. Sure. I mean, but why isn't he assisting Herschel helping everybody? I mean, that's fine that you're there for one person, but I don't know. It Maybe just... he's a stress puppy. Maybe he's just so whiny and so crappy about having to do anything <laughs> that nobody wants him to help. It's just like, you know, just watch that guy. It's all you want to do anyway. As soon as you leave the room, you start whining and complaining. So, like, just stand there. I don't know. That's I, fine. I felt like, you know what his purpose was? His purpose was in the next scene to get eaten by a zombie. Because that's exactly what happened. And I don't, I don't mean know. to be too cynical about it, but... I've worked with people that I just want to give them a, uh, you know, some kind of job to get them out of my face for, you know, a couple of days. <laughs> True. I, you know, I... I they usually you. get fired. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> I, I hear you there, but I don't know. It just, it just seemed weird to me that there was this healthy guy in there and he was doing nothing but standing around in that cell. And we didn't even see him before until until Herschel walks in there and is like, hey, everything okay in here? So and, he might have uh, well been wearing a red shirt with a Star Trek badge on it. Is that what you're saying? Well, basically, yeah. And I, it just would have felt better to me if... For, you know, if, if he wasn't there and maybe a, another sick person who was clearly sick and in no shape to really do anything came out to talk to Herschel, and then that sick person got attacked by the zombie. It would have just made more sense to me than having this regular healthy guy in there just so he could get eaten. Um, but uh, anyways, I didn't like mystery guy there. All right, apparently. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I didn't like him at all. So um, Herschel's in there with him. The zombie with Glenn wakes up. So now Glenn is essentially passed out on the floor with a zombie in the room with him. That's right. not good. Never Zomb is. No. Zombies start coming out of uh, other cells, and one gets on top of Herschel. He's down on the ground with a zombie on top of him. At this point, Mystery Guy comes out with a gun, and uh, he raises the gun to fire, but uh, he doesn't until he gets bit, and then... You know, he fires off a round at nothing in particular. <laughs> so not he only hits, he hit that lady, did he? No, he shot that lady in the head. The one on top of Herschel. No, it was the lady. I think there was uh, it was a, there was com some confusion, but I thought a lady came out of a out of a cell to help Herschel. Yeah, and she and... does, and she stomps the zombie, I think, and saves Herschel. But I don't think yeah, she got guy. shot by by mystery guy. Oh, really? I think she was shot by mystery guy. Okay, I'm like not he, sure he got about bit that. in the arm and he fired and the shot went awry and shot her and killed her. Okay, I'm not so sure about that, but you may be absolutely right. Um, Let's go to the tape. Go to the tape, everybody. No, we can't do that. We're not going to do that. No, maybe later. Um, <laughs> but anyways, the end result is that outside by the fence, Rick and Maggie hear the shot, and uh, Rick sends Maggie in to help, knowing that, you know, 
she really, really wants to go there. She's worried about her dad and Glenn, of course. So she should go there to to see what's going on. And, you know, he says, I'll take care of this fence. He's like, I can't do it without you, but don't worry, I got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't work alone on the fence. Uh, no, no, you shouldn't. It's like working in, uh, I had a friend who, uh, her job, her summer job in Espanola, Ontario, which is in Northern Ontario at a paper mill, was uh, sitting outside of a hole where people were working inside the hole, but because they were working in, in an endangered space, they needed uh, somebody to be outside the hole just in case they they needed help. And her whole job was to be there in case, for some reason, these guys in the hole needed help. Okay. <laughs> so that's what uh, you need two people on the fence. Because even if the second person isn't doing anything, they should just be there just in case somebody grabs your leg and, uh, you know, the zombie needs their arm chopped off. It's backup. Everyone yes. needs backup. Yeah. Got to be safe. What, no matter what you're doing. Safety first. Very, very true. Uh, so Maggie runs up, and uh, but we cut back, and Lizzie... She stepped up, and she is luring the zombie away from Glenn. She's treating it like a dog. Here, yeah. boy. Here, boy. Come on, boy. Just a little closer. You don't, you don't think she wanted to be friends with it, like Nick, outside the fence? No. She's like, come on over here. We'll, you know, we'll have a little tea party. No, we'll I, make... I think Lizzie, no, I, I think I Lizzie joking. here. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny. I think Lizzie has become kind of an interesting character, and I think I hope they do something with Lizzie. Um. You know, she's backing down the hall, luring this zombie. She's saving Rick, uh, saving Glenn, because had that, you know, had she not done this, that zombie would have eaten Glenn in a second. Right. You, you got to think. Um, but I think Lizzie has become very interesting. I no longer, you know, you know, there was all those theories online that it was actually Lizzie who killed or at least had a part in the killing of Karen and David. Yes. And that maybe Lizzie wasn't sick and she just wanted into quarantine to start killing other people. And I kind of bought into all those theories because she seemed a little off and she didn't really seem sick, although she didn't seem sick in this episode either other than her crappy little cough. But right after seeing this, I think they've successfully convinced me that Lizzie, that there's not, there's no um, ulterior motive to what she's doing. I think she's just a kid who doesn't really understand this world very well, but she genuinely uh, wants to help, even if she doesn't really know what she's doing and she doesn't understand the danger of the zombies. Yep. So I, I'm, I think there's a lot of interesting story that we might get with Lizzie, and I have an idea of where it might go, but I don't think that what we've seen so far indicates that she's doing anything that we don't know about, or that's just bad or wrong or evil or whatever. Right. Not yet, anyway. No, not yet. You never know what might happen. Right. So I just, uh, just to, before you go on to the next thing, I just reviewed the uh, the episode and I found the, the scene I was looking for. So what happens is a, a lady zombie comes out of and attacks Herschel and then a blonde haired lady comes out of another cell mm-hmm. to pull the zombie lady off of Herschel yep. and mystery dude uh, comes out of the cell and points, points the gun. Then uh, another zombie comes out and bites the arm of the guy that's uh, holding the gun. He fires a shot, hits the blonde lady that came out to help Herschel. Looks like it hit her in either. The, it was she had a lot of long blonde hair, so it's hard to tell exactly where she was hit. But uh, she was definitely shot, either in the shoulder or in the head. I couldn't tell. Okay, so mystery guy has good intentions, but ends up firing the or killing or at least shooting one of the people who's still alive. That's right. And she seemed very energetic for a sick person. Just saying. 
Right. So she could have actually maybe helped until she got shot in the shoulder. She did help. She pulled that zombie off of Herschel, uh, basically saving Herschel, and uh, she took a bullet for her efforts. Well, I mean, it's uh, she went out a hero, I suppose. Yeah. She saved the only doctor they have. Um, Rick, we go to commercial after Lizzie's luring the zombie down the hall, and when we come back, Rick comes in to get Carl, who's still okay in there. Yeah. And he now asks him for help. He says, you got to come with me and help. And uh, they're going to head back out to continue trying to reinforce the fence, which just seems like a fool's errand at this point. But, you know, you got to do what I you I don't think do. so. <laughs> it's not a fool's errand. I think it's uh, it's an important job and uh, it needs to be done. And without, you know, if you didn't do it, then it would be very, very bad. Maybe, but I don't know that putting those posts against the fence like that really help with the reinforcing all that much. Well, ultimately, uh, no, but I think that uh, the principle is sound. I suppose they're trying to do something at least, yeah. And it's better, yeah, it's better than doing nothing. What do you, if you do nothing, then you might as well just pack up and get in your Hyundai and leave. Yeah, that's true. You got to do something. So we see Lizzie, and she's still luring Henry, the zombie. I don't know if yeah. that if she gave him that name or if that was his <laughs> name before he died. It's probably his name. Probably. She probably knew who he was <laughs> and didn't just make up a name for him because she would have called him... Uh, Rex or, uh, you know, some kind of dog's name, I think. Yeah, that's true. Rufus. Henry, Come on, Rufus. Henry can be a dog's name. Yeah, it is a good name for a dog, but I just don't think uh, a little girl would come up with Henry for uh, a pet zombie. I think she would come up with Rufus or, you know. Fido. Fido. Fido's a good one because that's the name of a zombie, isn't it? It was a movie. Yeah. About a zombie. Well, she's walking backwards still, and Lizzie falls on her back, and, of course, the zombie gets on her. And now this is the zombie. He still has the intubation tube in his mouth. Yes. Right? So she's lucky in that he can't quite bite as well as he might have been able to had he not been intubated. Yeah. And uh, Herschel sees what's going on, and he runs up, though, and he grabs the zombie off her and throws it over the railing. Yeah, which was... Just picks him up and throws him. Which was awesome. Uh, Apparently, Scott Wilson did his own stunts, so he did, you know, he did his own zombie chucking here. So he uh, grabbed the guy while he jumped over the rail. More or less. But, you know, Herschel's, <laughs> awesome. Herschel's an, uh, he's an elderly guy. You know, you don't see a lot of people that age grabbing people and throwing them over railings. I definitely won't when I'm that age. No way. How old is he? How old is Scott Wilson? He's in his 70s. I'm going to look him up. Here. Look him up. While you're doing that, uh, we now see Maggie. She gets there finally. She runs up and she tries to axe her way through the door but the axe gets stuck and she breaks the handle off of it. That so was just dumb. She can't get in with that axe and now she you're broke not the gonna, axe too. You're not going to get through a prison door with an axe. No, that's true. I mean, the glass was that reinforced wire glass even, whatever you call that. And yeah, yeah that's a big, strong door. Security glass. There you go. 71. Scott Wilson is 71. 71. You know, I don't see a lot of 71-year-olds. My father-in-law is 72 and he's not throwing anybody over a railing. Well, he might actually. <laughs> <laughs> try it he's coming for christmas right yeah he is give it a whirl i'll see if he can chuck me off the back deck there you go <laughs> see what happens now you're talking into the snow you'll be fine there you go uh what happens now maggie gets the axe stuck uh herschel inside puts all the kids in a cell tells them to stay put not don't get into any more trouble he goes to glenn who is choking on his own blood again yeah. i'm like oh my god glenn's gonna die i feel so bad about this lying on his back yeah which Roll is bad, your, bad, bad. Much, much worse. If you're choking, much, get on your very side. Very bad, yeah. 
Um, uh, he, uh, Herschel, he goes to find, he finds Caleb as a zombie, so Dr. S is dead. So uh, Dr. S did not indeed survive as you thought he might. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But what can you do? I've never been right. Have I ever been right? I've been right about some things. I'm sure something you've been right about. I wonder what my percentage is. I can't think of it now, but I'm sure there's something that you've been right about. Right. Well, um, Caleb sticks his arm through the cell. Lucky Herschel closed those doors, I'll tell you. And uh, Herschel breaks his arm off and stabs him in the head. So he's not as worried now about protecting himself with some head stabbing. Yeah. And he's going for uh, Dr. S's shotgun, which, lucky he told him it was there. Yeah. Dr. S is a smart guy. He knew what was going to happen. He did. Outside, Rick and Carl are putting up more fence logs, and they share a little moment together here, I thought. Working together, father and son. You know, I think Rick smiled a little. Nice nice to be doing something as, as a team. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, all goes to hell, of course, and the wood starts breaking and the fence collapses. It completely caves in. Zombies start piling into the inner fence area. Rick and Carl have to run for the tower. And there's a pretty awesome scene of Rick body checking zombies down as he goes. Yeah. Just knocking them out. I, I have a problem with the way the, uh, the wood broke. Right. Oh, Do you know okay. how much pressure it would take to break a, well, it's probably what, four inches, four inch log, uh, break a, a log that way? Uh, you know, I was just saying that how much uh, damage a, a group of people could do against a fence, but the in just the amount of pressure that it would take to snap that log the way it was, uh, being that new, uh, you know, it wasn't a dried out twig of a rotten piece of wood. It was a brand new tree that they chopped down to, uh, to shore that up, I think it's much more likely that the zombies would have, uh, you know, been, you know, pushing the fence back and forth, you know, getting that, uh, getting it all agitated and stuff. That the at when the fence was pulling away from the log, that the log would come loose and fall down. That sure. would have been for me much more believable. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. I was gonna say if the wood was all dried out and rotten, it'll break pretty easily. But you're right; these looked like freshly cut down trees. Yeah. So that wouldn't have broken that way. No, in my opinion. No, I think you're right. However, cracking wood and breaking logs is a little more dramatic than them just all falling down. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, all the log fell down. Oh, no. Now they're in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What what will we do? Well, that's what would happen is the log would fall down and then it would be the end of that. But sure. We had a, maybe it was a rotten thing. Maybe there's, uh, you know, zombie termites out there that are just, you know, uh, relentlessly devouring trees left, right, and center. And uh, this just happens to be one of the uh, the rotted zombie trees. Yeah, zombie tree. And they didn't know. They didn't, they didn't know. know. And now look what happened. Well, they uh, Rick and Carl run for the tower. They get into the tower door. But zombies have now basically filled the whole area. And they are just crowded against that door. But Rick and Carl come out the other side. <laughs> Luckily, there's another another door on the other side. Oh, I, yeah. I was thinking for a minute, maybe they're going to be trapped in the tower. That would have been exciting. That would have been cool. They could have gone up and they would have been trapped and no one knows they're trapped. And now there's a, a big crowd of zombies inside the fence and nobody knows. You know, I mean. You, you never build a tower with one door. That's just bad tower design, is it? It's just bad tower design because, you know, if you, you don't want to get trapped in a tower. Always want an exit strategy. I guess. And the towers represent the corners of the prison or at least where the fence changes direction, right? Yeah. So if you're going to go in one side, you got to be able to come out the other side. It totally That's makes right. sense. But I was also yeah. thinking dramatically, this might be cool. Stuck in a tower, 
father and son, no real weapons other than what they had on them, and nobody else knows what's going on. Could have been awesome. Oh, well. Yeah, they went out the other side. <laughs> and uh, what do they do? They run to grab some machine guns, which they have uh, stockpiled there, I guess. Yeah, and they're laundry baskets. Conveniently. Right next to the fence. Completely open to the public and uncovered, not protected from the elements in any way. But lucky they were there. But lucky they were there. <laughs> and Rick gives Carl a quick training lesson on how to use these things. And uh, they prepare to shoot the zombies. So the inner part of the fence breaks down now, and zombies start coming in to around the tower, basically, coming yep. at them. And they aim and they open fire, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Before we see what happens, though, uh, Herschel, inside again, he has the shotgun now, and he goes to shoot a zombie coming up the stairs, but he sees the kids watching him, and so instead of shooting it, he lures it back away from the kid's cell and uh, before killing it. Right. Now I'm Which like, nice. yeah, come on. I'm like, look, I, I get what Herschel's trying to do, but they are stuck in a prison ward with zombies. Their lives are all at stake and in danger. He needs to take those zombies out as fast as he can, regardless of who sees him do it. On one level, I agree with you, but mm -hmm. on another level, I mean, it's a it's a matter of uh, risk versus reward, right? So if it's a very low risk thing to do to back up a ways where the uh, where the kids can't see, then do it. But he's learned from you know firsthand experience within the last four minutes that backing up uh, while a zombie is slowly coming after you is uh, fraught with peril. You slip, you fall down. He's only got one leg. Right? Yeah. So, uh, which there's a few things he did that I had a problem with. The fact that he only had one leg and it's like, no, you cannot pick up, help pick up that man and put him on the gurney with only one leg. Because he kneeled down to do it. And in order to uh, pick up that guy and put him on the gurney, he would have had to stand up from that kneeling position with about maybe 120 pounds of weight in his hands. Well, at least that guy could have weighed a lot more than that. But he had help, right? He had help, so okay. was, I'm only, I'm, you know, taking. But he grabbed the the top half, right, which is a little more heavy than the the legs. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, uh, going from a kneeling position, and he was kneeling with his missing leg, like on his right leg, uh, or left leg, I forget which one it is. Uh, but there's not an ice cube's chance in hell that he'd be able to get to a standing position uh, with only one leg. Right. At the very least, the prosthetic leg uh, is meant to. Uh, take pressure going straight down and if you put pressure on it in any other direction it's just going to come off yeah come off and break well no i i see your point i mean it would have been hard to do that and this is what i'm saying like he needs to take care of the zombie that's coming at him then and there not mess around like you said if he falls down he's he's out of luck daryl said a couple episodes ago we always end up having to run and you're not much for running these days so um i don't know i think I think I feel like they took Herschel's point a little too far in this episode. I, I liked it at the beginning. I thought it was really great. I understood what he was trying to do, but then once the shit hits the fan, right? Um, you gotta let some of those things go and let those. I mean, those kids know what's going on. They've been in the zombie apocalypse as long as everybody else has. They know. I know Lizzie doesn't seem to get that the zombies are that dangerous. Or or she does, but she doesn't take them as seriously as everyone else. But I'm sorry. She's seen people being killed, I'm sure. She knows how you kill them. She knows why you have to kill them. 
and uh, I don't know. I, I just wanted Herschel to shoot this zombie and, and get it over with, to be honest. Well, I respect Herschel's opinion in that everybody knows, like everybody in that whole ward knows that death is occurring and that these, uh, uh, when when the people die, they have to be dispatched in order to not come back as zombies. Intellectually, everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. And these kids know what's going on. But showing it to them and doing it right in front of their eyes is an entirely different matter. There's intellectualizing something and then seeing it happen. Sure. Two different things. And Herschel, his opinion, which he stated earlier, uh, he needs to protect people from that. So if there's little risk to it or not a lot of risk to it and he can accomplish that, he's going to do it. Sure. So it made perfect sense for me. Well, I, I, it does make sense in that respect, but I just think at this point, risk is out the window. Like you're, you are now in a high-risk situation. Because yeah. there is more than one zombie now in this cell block, and you don't know if all the doors are closed or whatever. But I see your point. I mean, everybody knows that people get hit by cars and die, but nobody wants to see it happen. Right. Right? Everyone knows that people die in war, but you don't necessarily want to witness that. So I, I yeah. totally get it. And, you know, the kids are different than adults, too. You know, t- people tend to protect protect kids from these things a little bit more than grown-ups, but... Uh, I still think he should have just shot that zombie and moved on. <laughs> yeah, you may be right. <laughs> so, anyhow, he lures it away, lures it away, and then kills it. But we go back to Rick and Carl. They're reloading, and they're falling back a little bit, but they continue shooting. And there, this was a bit of an action movie moment for the show. I thought uh, Rick takes or Carl takes a clip out and throws it over to his dad. Oh yeah, it know? was very buddy cop. <laughs> it was totally buddy cop movie. Absolutely. Um, and then there was a, just a really important scene here, I think, of Carl continuing to shoot. Rick's reloading and just kind of watches his son for a second. And I just got the feeling that in this moment, Rick was like, man, my son is all grown up. He is, he's a killer. Like, he knows yeah. how to do this. And he doesn't think twice about it. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, but that's the way it is. Yeah, I agree with that. And I really liked how they... They just showed that in Rick's eyes, watching Carl move forward again, taking out zombies. Yeah. We go back to Maggie, and uh, she shoots through the discussion window, as I'm going to call it. <laughs> this is the talking window, <laughs> the discussion window. Right. So she destroys it. So I don't know how they're going to have any conversations anymore without passing germs. And she goes into the quarantine area. Uh, Herschel, he realizes he needs the breathing device from that zombie he threw over the railing earlier. So yeah. he goes to get it. And it's still on that zombie who is sort of stuck on a wire ceiling. What do you call that? It's it's a fence. It's a chain link fence, but it's uh, it's covering. It's like a chain link fence roof. Yeah, chain link roof exactly. He's, like in a you know in a baseball you have a baseball diamond. You have uh-huh. the uh, the fence and it goes up and then it goes over a little bit. Yep. And you can you can climb as a kid. You climbed up there and sat up there. Yep. Yeah, that was fun. I know exactly what that's like, and that's what he was stuck on, one of those. Yeah. Well, somebody, when I was a kid, somebody pissed me off. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but uh, he pissed me off, so I took his bike, and I climbed the fence with his bike on my, around my shoulder <laughs> and left it and left it up there. You're a dick. He couldn't, he was being a dick. I was teaching him a lesson. Everybody was very happy that I did that to him and just left it up there. Did, did he climb up and then ride it off and kill himself? I have no idea how he got it back. I left. Oh, all right. <laughs> dick. Yeah, I was a bit of a dick. What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, so he goes, Herschel, what the hell's going on? Herschel goes to get the thing <laughs> off the zombie. Maggie, she finally shows up 
and she sees her dad wrestling with the zombie up there and points her gun, takes a moment to aim, calm herself, and then shoots the zombie and kills it to save her dad. Even after Herschel said, don't do that. He said, don't do it because you might hit the pump or whatever you call it. Yeah, you might hit the bag. We need that for Glenn. We need it for Glenn, exactly. But you know what? I love this scene too because it just, it showed Maggie calm herself for a moment and you could see her realize that I can either not shoot and um, my dad will probably die and Glenn will probably die or I can take this shot and if I can hit the zombie, everyone has a chance of living. Yeah. And I could just see that in, in her face as she was aiming the gun and I really, really liked it. Really liked it. I thought there was a lot of that in this episode where... Yeah, it was good stuff. So much was portrayed just by people's looks and their eyes. And I really like it when that sort of stuff happens. Right. So she takes the shot, kills the zombie. They let they get the uh, breathing tube to Glenn. They struggle to get it in, of course, because nobody likes having a tube shoved down their throat. Uh, yeah. And uh, he starts breathing, which is good. So he is now um, out of harm's way a little bit anyways. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that nobody likes tubes uh, shoved in any orifice. It's not just your mouth. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, you, you know, there are people out there, but generally if uh, you're not into that kind of thing and it's done against your will, it's unpleasant. Most of the let's, time. Let's just go there. Let's, yeah. I, or I'd maybe say, not. I say we just stop there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. Uh, anyways... These people are dying, and they need the uh, intubation tubes put in, and uh, Glenn now has one in his mouth. Once they get him settled a little bit and he's breathing again, Maggie kisses Glenn, which I thought was a bit nasty. I mean, if Gross. you're, you're going to— On the cheek, right? She didn't what? kiss him like full on the mouth and stick her tongue down, her, down his throat or anything like that. <laughs> no, that would have been— She's not going to make out with him, right? That would have been way worse. But Well, he's got an, he's been intubated at this point. He so has. So she can't. She's not like, she can't kiss him full on the mouth. Okay, that's not really my point. Okay, what's <laughs> my, your point? More that just kissing him in general. He's he's nasty and he's sick and I guess she doesn't care anymore, but she doesn't anyway. Man, that's what love is. That's what love is. Uh, well, Herschel also reaches over and caresses her face rather gruffly, I thought. I thought he got the, the first thing he did was caress her face, but he got a little blood on her face, and then the rest of it was trying to wipe it off. Oh, is that what he was doing? That, to... I think that's the impression I got. He's like, oh, sorry about that. You got to get that out of there. We'll, we'll get this infected blood off your face, which I shouldn't or, have touched you to begin with. Yeah, and then when by trying to rub it off, you actually rub it in, <laughs> you know, make it go into the skin. And <laughs> yep. It was, it was just, there's way too much personal contact in this scene. Less touching people yeah less touching less uh you know germ sharing less kissing it is less a, uh, an isolation ward anyways i guess they're all in there anyway though so they're they may or may not get sick so they figure yeah, let's well, just go one, for it you know being in close proximity with someone and then they're sharing bodily fluids you know it's you know there's a line here you're these people are sick you know try and you know have some kind of sense of <laughs> stay on this side of the line people <laughs> yeah uh, Lizzie walks up at this point and she asks, is it over? And they say yes. And the camera pans down and she just slides her foot around in the blood-stained floor. Yeah. So now I think Lizzie's weird again. <laughs> <laughs> She's all done being normal, is she? Well, I don't know if she was ever normal, but I don't know. I'll say this. I no longer think Lizzie is up to something, um, at least not consciously up to something. 
but I definitely think she's still got a little bit of her lack of understanding or her curiosity about all this that's going on. And that's why she's kind of like, I'll just run my foot around this big pile of blood here and see how slippery it is. Cause that was definitely a bit weird. Oh, I see. I'm just reviewing the tape here and Herschel wasn't just caressing her face. He was wiping blood off that she already had on her face from kissing Glenn. Oh, she got blood on her face. Herschel was wiping it off. Okay, so bottom line, don't kiss your half-dead bloody boyfriend. Maybe not at this moment. Yeah. And if you're going to, you better hope your dad's there to scrub it off your cheek. This is working for me. I'm actually following along with the uh, with the show <laughs> playing in the background here. Well, you know what? You should just uh, forget watching it altogether. You can just listen to my well, no. recap <laughs> and then watch it I at wouldn't the same go time. that far, but uh, you know, once we get into the finer points... We can always, let's go to the tape. Actually, that's a good idea. That's a good yeah. idea. All right, then. Um, outside, Rick and Carl are finishing off the last of the zombies with spikes to their head. So I guess they managed to shoot them all down, not necessarily get headshots every time. That's okay, though. That's, yeah. that's going to happen. This is a nasty thing to do. Like, they people used to do this in battles, too, right? Walk around and kill people on the ground? Yeah, that were wounded in battle. They were going to die anyway, but this way, you know, you dispatch them. It was considered a mercy. So wait, are you doing this to the enemy who is suffering on the ground or your friendlies who are suffering? It uh, could be a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Okay, either way, it's not a fun job, it doesn't the, sound like. Yeah, the mortally wounded on the battlefield after the battle is over. Right, yeah. But doesn't... in this case, it's a different kind of thing. It's just like, well, these guys are dangerous still, so uh, let's get rid of them. Let's get rid of them. So they're stabbing them in the head. Uh, and then Daryl and the gang drive up. So they're finally back. Cool in the gang. Daryl, Cool Daryl and the gang. <laughs> yeah, Cool and the gang are back. That's right. So they've been gone. They left the day before. They missed the whole night and then the whole next day because it's now dark outside and now they're finally back. Yeah. So they've been gone like 36 hours probably, something like that. Something. And You know, can, maybe. Yeah. Um, they hop out of the car and Tyrese immediately asks about Sasha, of course, and Daryl says, go up and see her. You know, we can... Uh, um, we can take care of things here, and uh, we we find we we follow Tyrese up, and he finds her in pretty rough shape. Yeah, uh, in the uh, in the cell block there in the quarantine, uh, we see some shots of Bob helping Herschel mix medication for Glenn. So Bob is doing his job; he's not drinking his booze, at least that we know of. And uh, Maggie tells him or tells her dad to finally get some rest. And as Herschel leaves, he goes and sits in Dr. S's cell, and he sits down on his bed reading his Bible, and at this point, Herschel finally breaks down into tears. Yeah. Because he's been through a lot in this episode, and uh, he hasn't had time to really process it all, but I guess now, once it's all over, people are getting their medicine, he's kind of letting it all out. Right. So this is why I'm still worried about Glenn. Now, in, uh, you know, Glenn's sick, right? So he's got uh, both the, the, you know, the flu virus thing that's, uh, that's, you know, causing him to be sick. And then there's the damage that that flu virus is doing, which will eventually kill him if it was left untreated. Right. So the fact that he's been left untreated for so long, he's bleeding from the eyes, he's bleeding in the throat, he's having trouble breathing, all that kind of stuff. Killing the virus is by no means, even if this, the medicine is 100% effective, it does not mean that Glenn is out of the woods. He's still got the damage from the illness 
that they've got to deal with now. Yeah, but getting rid of the virus—that's true. You're at, you're right. But getting rid of the virus means that his body can start repairing that damage instead of right. further, instead of damage, more damage happening. Right. That that's true. So, I mean, as you know, dramatically, he's out of the woods. Like he's he's going to be fine at this point. But you know, realistically, if this was the real world and he was that sick for that long without being treated uh, properly, like with with actual antivirals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be in very real danger. But then again, he'd be in a hospital and uh, would be fine probably because he would have the best of medical care and, you know, on a feeding tube and having his vitals monitored and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, but in but he's not going to a hospital in this universe, of course. And without no. that medicine, you're right. He would have died for sure, even with the breathing tube and stuff like that. Yeah, dramatically, uh, you know, the cool and the gang showed up with the medicine and got it to him before he's going to before he died. So he's going to be fine. He is going to be fine. Um, uh, Sasha too. At this point, we assume will be fine. So uh, yeah, I would assume so. The only people that didn't make it are Doctor S, mystery guy that I hated, and some of the other patients. Yeah, and the and poor the, blonde the blonde lady who got shot. <laughs> didn't even by mystery succ- guy. Yeah, didn't even succumb to the disease. Just got shot trying to help. So I guess the uh, the major character that died from this is Dr. S. Yeah, he's the ma- most major character that died, and that's not yeah. all that major. So we, we needed somebody to die and, uh, you know, to make the, the illness really dramatic and really uh, impactful on the on the group. And I guess uh, it happened to be Dr. S and not one of our, our, our favorite characters. He's the one. Um, I... Uh... I suspect that a major character is going to die soon on this show. What was that? Episode number five of season four. And um, we haven't had a death yet. Now, obviously, they're not going to kill someone every episode. But I think they're working up to something. And I think very soon we're going to have a big character death on this show. Right. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, But this episode's not over yet, Jason. Even Even though you think at this point it would be. And uh, it's not, though. We have another commercial, and when we come back, we get this interesting parallel scene from Season 4, Episode 1 of Rick walking out of the prison, past the flowers, walking down to the water uh, water bin, splashes water on his face, and Michonne is there. Uh, she's loading dead zombies into a trailer, I guess to just take them outside and burn them or something like that. That's the same trailer they used to, uh, to kill the pigs. Oh, the, the Jeep. Pig trailer. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Been so thinking she, about buying one of those trailers. It'd be handy to have around. <laughs> sure. Not for hauling zombies and pigs and stuff, but, uh, you know, just for hauling stuff. your kayaks or something. Yeah. You know, my wife and I have been talking about it every now and again. She's like, maybe we should get a little trailer like that. I have never driven a car with a trailer, and I've always wondered if it would be easy or difficult or different in any way. Neither have I. I know going in reverse is different because you have to steer the other way to turn the trailer, but it's a whole different podcast. Yeah. We've both done that in Grand Theft Auto. How hard could it be? Uh, yeah, because I never crash into anything in that game. Uh, so she's loading the dead bodies. Rick offers to help, but she declines. He starts walking down the road to his his crops. Carl comes running, says he didn't wake him up. You know, he Rick wanted to let him sleep. And this is just like season four, episode one, right at the yeah. beginning. And uh, Rick says to Carl that he's got to go talk to Daryl. <laughs> we know about what, but he decides to do it later. That's a conversation that can wait. Come on. Who needs to yeah, talk about that? Yeah, that's a right problem now? for a tomorrow guy. Yeah. It may I be think a tomorrow big problem. Guy, tomorrow, tomorrow guy is going to be much better equipped to be able to deal with that than I am. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. 
we see Herschel come out and Tyrese asks him about Glenn and Herschel says that he survived the night and that it looks like he's going to be okay. So even if you are worried about Glenn, the horse's mouth here is saying, nope, he'll be fine. It's true. There you go. Glenn's fine. Yep. Uh, Daryl asks about Carol. Daryl's there too. And Herschel says, you got to go talk to Rick about her. She's okay, but you have to go talk to Rick. So this conversation has got to happen early on in the next episode, you would think. I would hope so. You know, I mean, Daryl knows something is going on. uh, So he's going to go right to Rick, you would think, and just say, hey, man, what's up? What's going on? And that conversation could be a little bit awkward. So I hope they don't. I don't I hope they don't let it go for too long. They need to have that and see what happens. Right. And Hirsch but Herschel goes to in uh, goes to dump the, uh, the zombie bodies with Michonne, which I thought was a little bit strange. Again, he's hobbled with one leg and he's going to go out and start lifting zombies off a off a trailer and throwing them on the ground. I don't know. Yeah, he's been up for 36 hours. Maybe he just wanted to go uh you know preside over the dead. Yeah. <laughs> Forget sleeping. He just needs to go and throw zombies away well after that kind of night he'd be pretty keyed up maybe he did sleep you know uh, carl got some sleep maybe herschel got some sleep too it's true it is daytime now and, it, and that all sort of wrapped up in the in the night so he probably got some sleep and uh now he's back outside but we see rick and carl they're down in the crops they're picking peas they open one and silently eat it together and you know what i noticed about this scene what's that no zombie sounds coming from the fence that was one of the big differences in this scene versus the opening scene of this season where they made a point to show us the zombies are there, they're loud, Rick is listening to the, the music to drown them out, and now we have this parallel scene, but no zombie sounds. So they also so, they also have a giant hole in the fence, but at least the zombies are gone. Right, so basically the, uh, the lesson I've learned from uh, this episode is uh, when in doubt, assault rifles. It seems to be the cause of and solution to all of their problems. Yeah. So uh, more assault rifles. Uh, you know, if they had taken two guys with assault rifles to the fence, we would have been done by now. Yeah. You, you, they probably would have been better off. <laughs> but maybe the uh, the assault rifle noises uh, attracted a herd. You know, that that herd that uh, Cool and the gang saw a little while ago, uh, maybe they're coming. But they're pretty far away for assault rifle sounds to reach them. You know what, though? Maybe the assault rifle sound attracted something else, though, because there's one final scene in this episode, and it's a shot from outside the prison, and uh, we just see Carl and Glenn walking, Carl and Rick walking back up in the distance. The camera pans down, and uh, there is some guy standing there with an eye patch. Yeah. So I, Mr. I know who that guy is. Who is it? That, that's the governor. Mr. Governor is back and he's just standing there on the edge of the tree line looking at the prison episode over. Do we, do you think that's the only time we'll see the governor this season? Um, I have seen the <laughs> preview. Just a little teaser. Yeah, that's right. He'll be back <laughs> in season six. <laughs> like, oh, that's it. <laughs> we said he'd be back and he was. There he is. There he is. He's just eyeballing everything. And uh, maybe we'll see him again in two years. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be kicking the pants. They'll right? drop him in every couple of seasons just standing there looking and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a peeping Tom now. <laughs> the peeping governor. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so the governor is back and i was i was just saying it occurred to me maybe the all that assault rifle sound is what what drew him back like maybe he didn't know i guess he knew where the prison was though so he may or may not have been hanging around but maybe all those uh all that gun firing is what sort of prompted him to come and take a look now well, the, it raises the question for me, what is the, uh, how far away can you hear rifle sounds in, in Georgia, in a wooded area? Like, it's all woods, right? Yep. So beyond, let's say, 300 yards, uh, you know, can you, or maybe 1,000 yards, let's say, uh, can you really tell where uh, a rifle sound is coming from? Because at that point, the sound is all mixing with all its echoes and such. And if you hear a pop, pop or some kind of sound, you're really not going to be able to tell uh, what direction it came from. So you've got, you know, and really in any real terms, I have no idea. But I'm just wondering how far away uh, do you have to be before you have no idea where a rifle sound came from? And how far away do you have to be before you don't hear it at all? Yeah, I, I really have no idea. It, it probably depends a lot on the landscape, maybe even like the weather, the humidity. Who knows? I mean, yeah. I'm sure a listener of ours out there somewhere could tell us or give us a rough idea of how far away you can hear that kind of machine gun from. So if the governor did hear that, uh, it's not a machine gun, by the way. Well, what is assault it? Assault rifle. Assault rifle. Is it different than a machine <clears throat> gun? Yeah, a machine gun is uh, an automated thing that's kind of either vehicle mounted. It's not really... Uh, small arms like that those rifles those assault rifles were small considered small arms a machine gun is more of a vehicle mounted thing uh well you know, fed by a belt fine that kind of thing i'm canadian i don't know from guns all right uh what was i gonna say the governor here oh yeah it. how far away was he camping from the if it was if it was the the rifle sounds that drew him to this how far away was he he probably was pretty close well the thing is i don't you know, once that came out of my mouth, I don't really think that the rifle sounds are what drew him there because he knows where the prison is. So he knows if he's in the area and he's there for a reason. He's not, you know, if they drew him there, it was strictly out of curiosity, probably thinking, hey, what's going down over there? Maybe, you know, maybe this, if if they're being attacked or maybe if they're, you know, under duress of some kind, maybe this is an opportunity for me to do something, sneak in, do whatever. But I'm pretty sure he's been hanging around for a little while anyways, you know, planning something. He's in a bad spot for observation, too. Like, oh, yeah, I made low, a notice. He's in the low ground. Like, he's not uh, he's not in an overwatch position. He's not uh, where he was before when, uh, uh, when Axel was killed. Like, that was a better position to observe things. He's in a really bad spot for observing what's going on. Well, I made a note, too, that it seemed like he was just standing out in the open a little bit too much. You know, he was on the... The, the bush line or the tree line, but he wasn't sort of hiding behind anything. He was just standing there, you know. If anyone looked over, they would have totally seen him. Um, he was just out for a walk. Maybe yeah. he's just maybe he's got a trailer around the around the corner that he set up with a little garden, and uh, you know some kind of anti zombie device that just keeps them at bay. You know, ringed his trailer with uh, treadmills like you see in the cartoons on the internet. Right. Uh, so you you know it's perfect perfect protection but uh, yeah he's just out for a walk with his morning coffee and uh, he's looking on the uh, on the prison i just think he should have been a little bit more undercover right he ne it's very important probably from his perspective that they don't know he's there i so, don't know maybe he's crazy and doesn't care well there's that and we know it, from season last season too that when they 
when they drove up, him and the Woodbury people, and they attacked, he was not hiding, you know, behind cover at all when there was a big firefight. He was just standing out in the open. So he clearly doesn't care about that sort of thing. Yeah, he, he's fully aware that he has that plot device shield. <laughs> he he's really unable is. to be killed because the plot needs to uh, needs him. He, yes, it definitely does. Well, I think it's exciting that the governor is back. I had no idea he was going to show up at the end of this episode until that scene. Before we saw him on screen, as the camera was panning down, I'm like, I know what's about to happen here. But before that, mm-hmm. I had no idea. So it was really fun to have that experience. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it coming at all. I did not. So I really enjoyed that. I suspect that next episode is going to be all about Mr. Governor, and we may not get very much, if any, at the prison. We might find out what the governor's been doing for the last eight months or however long it's been. You know what would be cool? Tell me. If we had the uh, the governor, like a bottle episode of the governor, but we got shots of him looking in on the prison and we saw all the characters interacting from a distance, but we got no dialogue, no, nothing from, the, uh, from their perspective. It was just the governor's perspective looking in at the, uh, the prison from the outside. And to take that one step further, what we, what we need to do is have him witnessing things that we've already seen on the show from a different perspective. So we might see them at the fence stabbing zombies. We might see Daryl and Rick drive out and throw pigs to the herd, p- pigs to the crowd of zombies, but we're watching it from a different perspective this time. That would be cool. Uh, that would be wicked. I would, I would like that very much. I hope you do that, Walking Dead producers. It's already too late. Well, it's I know like- that. But if we could come up with this idea, so could they, and hopefully they could come up with something even more awesome. I would think so. You Being know? professionals and stuff, and <laughs> us being. Nothing. Pundits. We are Walking Dead pundits. Yeah, that's it. That's what I like to say. Uh, So anyways, I'm excited. I'm excited to have the governor back. I think next episode will be all about him. And what's that, number seven? And then we've only got, no, number six. And there's only three more until the mid-season finale. And I got the distinct feeling here that this was episode five, and this was basically the end of act one of season four. And I think we're going to see three acts in this season. Act one, act two will probably be episode seven through 13, maybe. And then act three will be 14 through 18 or 16. No, not that many. Maybe seven to 11 and then 12 to 16, something like that. That's a lot of numbers. I didn't quite follow. Well, I mean. That's okay. I'll I'll, I'll get over it. Take 16 episodes, break it into three roughly, and I think that's what we're going to have. So There you go. And and they just bookended this so well with, you know, the last season of the last shot or scene of this episode lining up with the first scene of episode one in season four. It just worked really well, I thought. This was a great episode, and I feel like, okay, we got to know what they've been doing, you know, between seasons. We got to see what some of the... The hardships are at the prison. We got a feeling of how everyone's men- mental state was at this point. Then they get hit with this flu. It's a new threat. They have to deal with it. And now that they're kind of through that, they think, okay, everything's not going to be the same, but maybe we'll have a little period of peace and quiet for a while. But oh no. Oh no. The one-eyed man is watching them from outside the prison. Yep. And I think this is a really great setup for, for the whole season, if that's how it's going to play out, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if the governor's storyline wraps up midway through the second half of season four or something like that. And then we move into something else, which will be act three of this season. And I think this is a really cool idea. 
Uh, yeah, I like it too. I think it's fantastic, and I really like the music in this episode. It was good. Uh, that's a. I'm glad you brought that up because we got like three different, um, kind of like musical montages almost. Yeah, and even like just the. Uh, it was a very tense episode, and I really liked the background music. I liked the uh, the songs they chose. Uh, I just right from right from the get go, right from the uh, from, right from the gate. I thought it was uh, I thought it was fantastic music. Yeah, uh, Bear McCreary did a great job on the score. Plus, there were some contemporary songs in there as well. Um, not that his music isn't contemporary, but you know what I mean. Like, well, it, by by definition, it's contemporary. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's current. <laughs> it's current. But there were some songs not written by him, not scored for the for the episode. Let's put it right. that way. Yep. And they worked really well. I thought so. This was. This was a very good episode, I thought, even though it was kind of uh, self-contained a little bit and small. I guess the last few have been like that in a way, where the last episode we had Daryl and the gang out by themselves and Rick and Carl, uh, Carol and Rick (laughs) doing something, and then we didn't get any prison. This one was all prison, and uh, almost all of it took place in that quarantine block. Yeah, Uh, this was my... You know, this is my favorite episode of this season so far. Yeah, I if think... If not of the, the whole shooting match, the whole show. The whole show, eh? I, might, it, might might be the best one of the last two seasons, three and four, for me. Right. It was a good one. It was, uh, it was great, and it was nice to see Herschel doing something. Um, I've never, to be honest with you, I've never loved the character of Herschel. At least I haven't for a while. I've always kind of thought he was just there to since um, since Dale died, Herschel was just hanging around to be the moral moral center, moral center the compass of this show. But I just felt like it was never all that necessary. But I thought Scott Wilson did a fantastic job in this episode, and I think the way they wrote Herschel here was perfect. And I think he grew. I think he had an arc all in this one little episode, and they did a f- great job with it. Well, that's why that's why I was worried about him dying. Was that you know my the way I think of things? As soon as you give somebody this much of a spotlight, that you got to kill. Them. That's what happens on this show. You bring someone to the forefront, and then all of a sudden they're they're toast. So that's not just just this this show. It's all kinds of shows that, that do this. Well, that's you true. Have to, you have to watch out for characters that all of a sudden get uh, get a spotlight because uh, there's a good chance they're going to die. Yeah, you are not incorrect when you say that. And for some reason, though, I did not feel like Herschel was going to die in this episode. I felt more like Glenn might, to be honest. Well, yeah, I thought Glenn was on the chopping block. I thought uh, Sasha was on the chopping block. Uh, I thought uh, Dr. S was on the chopping block, which he was. And uh, yeah, that that uh, that random mystery guy in the uh, in the in the cell there, I thought for sure he was going to die. Especially after he got bit by the zombie. <laughs> Before a, that, I wasn't so sure. Pretty good sign when you get bit by a zombie. Um, <laughs> Not for Herschel. Herschel got bit by a zombie. He's oh, that's flying. true. He's like the only guy that survived that. So far. Wow. Carol hey. was going to do it to the other guy, the uh, the father of uh, uh, of the two girls. Or what? Uh, yep. Lindsay and Mika. Lizzie and Mika. Yeah. Uh, Carol was going to cut off his arm until she saw the bite in the back of his neck. And then, you know. Cutting off someone's head to save their life is really kind of counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. You're absolutely <laughs> right. All right. Well, great episode. Uh, I hope it continues from here this good or even better. And I think you're right. This is my favorite of season four and maybe even more. 
All right, Jason, is that all we have to say about this episode for now? For now. All righty. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor for the episode. And when we come back, we will run through as much of the holy crap did you see that moments as we can. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out the service. We always like to recommend a book to get you started. Jason, if you can pick one out of that vast catalog of, of audiobooks, what would you pick? You know, I started listening to this series of books called Star Force, so I'm going to recommend the first one, Swarm, Star Force Book One by B.B. Larson. Okay, what's the, what's the deal in Swarm, Star Force right, Book Alright, imagine one? if you if you will, that you're uh, sitting at home one night, and then all of a sudden this uh, giant claw breaks through the window and grabs you and drags you into a spaceship, and it starts running you through tests. And if you fail the tests, it kills you. Uh, but if you pass the test, the last test uh, that you pass, it says you are now the commander of this ship. And so all these people all over the world are getting tested and become commanders of this ship. And the whole point is these ships are uh, trying to find people to command them in order to protect the planet against an alien invasion from some different aliens. Okay, so alien group A is recruiting yes. humans as commanders for their ships yeah. to protect Earth against an invasion by alien group B. That's correct. That's amazing. That sounds yeah. amazing. I want to read this right now. So far, it's pretty good. I'm on. Uh, I'm on. I'm actually on book four right now, but uh, I'm recommending the uh, the first one, Swarm, Star Force Book One by B.V. Larson. That is amazing. That sounds like a fantastic story. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. Well, if you want to check that out, and I know I'm going to, head over to audibletrial.com/talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com/talkingdead for a free audio book. Holy crap. Did you see that? Okay, everybody, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? I am going to start us off here. This one comes from Christian in Sweden. He says, hi, guys. First of all, the Gothenburg issue. So this is uh, Christian from last podcast where I, um, I took a chance at pronouncing his uh, city. And uh, I guess he's here to correct me, which is fine. I enjoy being corrected. He says, Gothenburg, or Gothenburg, as I speculated that it may be, is the English name for my hometown. It's pronounced how it looks. <laughs> okay. Gothenburg. Gothenburg. The castle of the Goths, basically. Uh, in Swedish, the town's name is Gothenburg. I reckon I should call in the pronunciation. But it's probably Jutaborg. 
Utah No. Isn't that a Utah Utaborg? 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 I don't know if you pronounce the J as a Y. Yota, I need to call my friends. That's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> like it's is, even this, worse. It's making it much worse right. than. Yeah, uh, so than please we, call in. <laughs> we had. Um, 1-866-483-9662 to tell us how to pronounce the name of your city. Anyways, Christian says, My holy crap in this episode is near the end, with Herschel praying over Dr. S. Herschel is not long for this world. This was his hero episode. I'll miss him. Oh, that could be. See, that's what that's what I was saying, is uh, as soon as you feature somebody, you have to kill them. It's true. They're just doing it in a, in, they're just doing it in an unexpected way this time. Instead of doing it in the episode, they're going to make us think everything's fine, and then they'll do it in the next episode. It could be. Um, and We've been predicting the death of Herschel for a while now. Yeah, we really, really have, and uh, so far, so far nothing. Yeah. All right, so we have uh, Matt from New Jersey. Holy crap, who leaves laundry baskets full of guns and ammo sitting outside? <laughs> sure, it was still within the fence, but it's not nearly as secure as being inside a cell block or at least hidden by a cell block. At least throw a bed sheet over it so people can't see it. Yeah, as you said, those weapons were just out there sitting around waiting to be picked up by somebody and misused. Completely observable by uh, maybe a governor? Yeah. Something? Any, anybody who might be watching from a, from a distance. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's is the next one from Frank on the internet? Yeah. Okay. Frank says, "Wow, so many to choose from. The obvious one would be, did you notice that one-eyed dude at the very end? Looked a lot like the governor from Woodbury, eh? <laughs> <laughs> he did look like the governor. You know, now that you mention it, <laughs> I think that might have been him. <laughs> that might have been him." Uh, Frank goes on and says, Seriously, I love the way Herschel did not want people to see him executing the zombies. Coaxing them back to the hallway to nix them was a really cool part of the story. These people are not just zombies, but the friends and family of the Woodburyans. Herschel's sensitivity to this could have easily gotten him killed or at least compromised a quick and easy solution to taking care of this uh, particular zombie problem. It's nice to see the show give us a moral bubble to reside in, if only for a moment. Yeah. And I would just like to say I agree with that, except for the last one when he has a shotgun and they are in obvious peril. Sometimes you got to let your morals go out the window and uh, just do what needs to be done at that moment. He took it too far. He did. All right, so we have uh, Barbara from the Internet. In the very beginning of the episode, while Rick is driving down the road, uh, there was a zombie on the side of the road ahead. Are those dogs or wolves that were feeding on it? How come we've never seen that before? What does it mean? So, we, yeah, we did comment on that uh, briefly, that we haven't seen animals eating zombies before. I think it means that the animals are just becoming desperate, you know, especially domestic dogs. You'd think that a... A domestic dog or any domestic animal at this point would have long died because their food source ran out. Yeah. Now I know I've heard that cats and stuff will eat their <laughs> will eat their dead owners, but cats you know, are tame. Uh, dogs are domesticated. Cats uh, will return right. to their natural, uh, you know, carnivorous ways quite easily, whereas dogs uh, are not so. They're a little farther away from their uh, feral brethren right dogs will lie down with you know their dead owner and not leave them a cat will just go over and take a bite 
Yeah, you were okay while you were warm, but you're not warm anymore, so uh, and you didn't put any food out, so you're it, pal. Yeah, that's it. You're <laughs> the food now. Good luck with yeah. that. Anyways, I just think the animals that are in this world still are are becoming desperate enough that they're going to start eating anything they can. And uh, I am quite sure that there are no zombie animals. In fact, I'm pretty sure Kirkman has said that, that there are just no zombie animals in this show. So they can eat, I guess, dead, rotting flesh. And they might get sick from it, but they won't become zombie dogs or cats or monkeys or whatever. Yeah. All righty. Jason from Washington, D.C. writes, My holy crap, did you see that moment was when the fence initially collapsed. Rick and Carl ran through that door. On it, it said, authorized personnel only. I guess zombies don't qualify. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) That's a really good one. It's interesting that they would have that kind of uh, sign on the door to prison. Like, prisoners are not allowed to enter this guard tower? Well, I mean, I guess you, you that's safe to assume. However, yeah. you know, you can't assume anything. I guess not. Yep. All right, so we have uh, Mark from Baltimore. Uh, so gunshot goes off, and Rick lets Maggie run to the cell block, and Rick continues to work on the fence. It's daytime. Five minutes later... It's the middle of the night, and Carl replaces Maggie on the fence line. That's an insane error. I know that it was going to get dark soon because Lizzie mentioned she won't be able to finish Tom Sawyer, but that was an insanely fast sunset. Well, I don't know. Was it? I mean, it was... It was was pretty jarring. I found it jarring as well. I agree with you. It was quite dark. Um, It was quite dark out there. It wasn't like it was just twilight, like the sun had just gone down or something. Yeah. It was the middle of the night. And I guess all that had time to happen was Maggie to run inside, get the the axe stuck in the door, and then go around to the conversation window and smash that. We also saw Rick go to get Carl and ask for his help. And if you notice, it was much darker in the uh, in the healthy quarantine too. So by that time, I guess it was already dark outside. So yeah, it did seem a little fast. Um, but I don't know. What can you do? Yeah, it was just it was full daylight, and the next scene outside was full dark. Yes, a little it bit. Was just a little jarring. A little jarring. Oh, you know what? I just remembered something else about this episode that bothered me a little bit. What's that? Unrelated to this, but I need to bring it up, is that Rick comes back. You know, he was with Carol, and they were searching for food or medicine. They made a point to say, get all the medicine, and anything else we can eat, we bring it with us. So presumably they came back with some medicine, yet... Never gave it to Herschel, right? Well, they weren't looking for prescription medication. They were looking for, you know, they would have found aspirin or, uh, you know, some stuff that's in basic medicine cabinets. But nothing that would have helped? I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess the specific antibiotics and stuff probably wouldn't have been in somebody's house, but you'd think something might have helped. And we just never got that scene of Rick you know, going up or he came to talk to Herschel and he didn't, he never brought any, a bag of stuff and said, here, I got this. Maybe some of it'll help. I don't know. It it just felt weird to me. There was a lot going on. That's true. There was a lot going on. Maybe he just forgot. (laughs) He forgot. Yeah. Um, where are we now? Steve Steve from Cambridge. Steve from Cambridge. Steve writes, my holy crap moment for this week was watching Rick's Hyundai doors open and close all by themselves while he was talking to Maggie. And of course, the governor. Best episode of the season so far. We finally have a culmination of this disease, which was losing my interest, and an actual cliffhanger, finally. 
Dun, dun, dun. So the Hyundai's <clears throat> doors, I think, opened and closed between cuts. I didn't notice that. Oh, magic door. Magic door. Sometimes they're just magic doors. Sometimes it happens. Yep. All right. We have Neil from the internet. I thought I'd share my holy crap with the uh, holy crap for this week's episode. I think it's Herschel deciding to start killing people and looked like him reading his Bible later and crying in his cell. Otherwise, I can't decide between Rick and Carl shoot, Rick and Carl's shooting spree. Herschel approving uh, being called... Uh, what the hell? All right. Herschel approving being called a tough SOB by Daryl and wait for it, the, omni, uh, the omnivorous... Uh, <laughs> omniferous? What's that word? Ominous. Omin- oh, really? Yes. My brain does not work. Ominous view of the governor. I uh, love the show, guys, and keep up the great work. So Yeah, that was great work there. Thanks. <laughs> that was some really great work. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what Neil was trying to say is he was trying to say he can't decide between Rick and Carl's shooting spree or Herschel approving being called a tough SOB by Daryl. Oh, yeah. Daryl said, you're a tough SOB, and he said, yes, I am. That's right. <laughs> uh, or the ominous view of the governor. The omniferous right. view of it. Omniferous. You sure that's not omniferous? I'm pretty sure. I'm not even sure that's a word. <laughs> oh, sure it is. <laughs> it's a perfectly cromulent word. Yeah. Uh, anyways, thank you, Neil, for those ones. Um, the next one is Joe from Roanoke, Virginia. My holy crap, did you see that is two words. Rambo Herschel. No, seriously. Herschel broke out and did some ass kicking in this episode. He should have died at least four times. I have major props for Herschel now. He definitely deserved some time outside the gates. So uh, thank you, Joe. I, I pretty much agree with that. I think, as I said, Herschel was not a character I was loving. He was a, I found him a little bit boring. Boring. Uh, but not in this episode. He did a great job, and I think they did just a world of good for his character in this one. So like you said, he's going to be killed off next episode, and thanks for nothing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, so the last one is Jessica from Facebook. Uh, one of my holy crap, did you see that? Uh, is the is the least where I live in South Florida? There was no commercial between the series theme and the first act. Act epic. My second is where Caleb's eyes actually bled. Whoa! <laughs> Thank you. Yes, as we noted, there was no commercial. I thought that was very weird too. Um, and Doctor S's eyes. He was. It was like true blood moment. His eyes were bleeding tears. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome, kind of gross, and uh, I sort of knew at that point that he was not going to be with us much longer. Well, he told us, right? He told us that, uh, you know, I'm too sick. Go focus on people that you can actually save. Yeah. So at that point, it was basically foretold that he would uh, he would not survive the episode. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The way he presented that though, I just thought was fantastic. I've I don't know if that's a a quote or something about um if you're not prepared prepared to lose one, you're going to lose them all. Whatever that is, I just think it perfectly summed up what was going on in there, you know, and I I don't know. I commend the writers on that one if they did indeed write that. <laughs> it was good stuff. Very, very good stuff. Uh, okay. That is all the holy crap did you see that? And I think that is it for this podcast. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by calling the Zomb line. It is 1-866-483-ZOMB. That is 9662. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on the Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And uh, you can also email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Now, I do want to mention here 
that uh, if you've been listening, you know that we have a shirt for sale. It's our season four shirt that features our handset logo uh, as designed by friend of the show, Dave. And a bunch of people have bought those, so I just want to say thank you to everyone that picked one up. We get a few, you know, a few bucks from every sale that goes right back into hosting and paying for the toll-free number and all those kinds of things. Um, but if you'd like one, head over to TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on Shirts in the menu, and you will see some new stuff available. New stuff. New stuff. So I put up um, a new shirt. Now, it's kind of two new shirts because I did a dark version and a light version. So depending on what color shirt you like, you can you can get whatever you want. And I put up some iPhone cases, which oh. to me, if you ask me, I really love the art that Dave did. So I think those iPhone cases look super sharp. If you, I'm going to get one. Yeah, I think I'm going to buy myself one too. But if you think so too, you can grab an iPhone case. It has the logo on it and... Uh, um, it, it comes in for all different flavors of iPhone, if I'm not mistaken, everywhere up from the 3GS to the 5S. Nice. So head over to there, head over to our website and check out the link for that stuff. If you see something you like and you want to purchase it, that would be wonderful. Um, and the other thing you can do to really help us out is go to iTunes, find us on there and, uh, leave reviews. Uh, give us some ratings. That is one of the best ways you can help us out and help us grow the show because it gets more eyeballs on it, especially if we get featured. I know recently we have been listed in the uh, TV and entertainment um, category. We were on the on the main page of iTunes, but the more you guys can go and review and uh, submit your information, submit your comments there. That is really fantastic. And one of these days, Jason, we should go in and check those again and, and do like we used to and read some of those reviews on the podcast because that's always fun. That Yeah, that's an excellent idea. One of these days. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Uh, anything else from your end of things? No, that, uh, that about sums it up. Sums it up. We will be back on Wednesday with our feedback show. So get in some feedback. Get in your thoughts, your comments, your rebuttals, anything you would like. And we'll get as much of that on the show on Wednesday as we can. So until then, for The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.